Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Today, we are going to talk about a very fun topic that will likely generate feelings on both sides, which is, drum roll, is buying a new car really that bad of an idea? I feel like this is one of the sacred cows, maybe not as, well, maybe even as high up there as term versus whole life insurance. So this is one where as coaches, we oftentimes have our own very strong beliefs about whether that is a good idea or a very, very terrible idea. And since we can off, it's really hard to not bring our own strong beliefs into the work that we do. We think this is a really important topic to talk about because if a client really wants to buy a new car and we see that something that is stupid or a bad financial decision, that will likely impact the advice that we give our clients or the ways in which we even help them come to that decision. And if we aren't in alignment with what they want, that can oftentimes lead to unhappy clients and an unhelpful relationship with that yeah. client. So this is going to be a fun one. Yeah. Josh, you ready? I am ready. And yeah, it's definitely one of those sacred cows. I love making hamburger. So let's, let's kill this thing. Jeez. <laughs> Had to get that response from you. Speaking anyway. of killing things, apparently that also was a great macro example. Anyway, move in. Right All right. On. So yeah. Let's start with just laying out the case for why people, quote unquote, shouldn't buy a new car. Because I, I think it is important to, to recognize that sacred cows don't exist because people are crazy. They exist because there are underlying truths. Those truths may, not, may just not be the whole truth. So we'll start with the obvious things that when you buy a new car, it depreciates slightly rapidly. Don't they say the moment the tires leave the lot? Yes. Yeah. Actually, it has nothing to do with the tires leaving the lot. It has to do with the paperwork being signed for title because it turns from a new car into a used car the second that the paperwork gets sent into the DMV, which is That's a lot much out. lengthier explanation that would yeah. bore the heck out of most normal people. But <laughs> financial coaches love it. Financial coaches yeah. love that stuff. So we get the full explanation. I love it. So yeah, it's the change. It's actually the transfer of ownership that knocks off a huge portion of it. And then of course, cars depreciate rather rapidly in the first few years, some less so than others, others more so, right? Depends on the car, the type of car, et cetera, et cetera. And at some point it never stops depreciating, but it just depreciates at a slower rate. And so if you think about the car as an asset, this is one of the reasons why people worry so much about buying new cars because you're going to lose a lot of the value of that asset over that period of time. But you're paying a lot in the first couple of years for that car. And then if you think of it like a purchase, a lot of people look at it as, oh, well, there are, if I get a two-year-old car, I can get it for 32% less. 
which is not an insignificant amount of money, <laughs> right? Especially exactly. when we're talking about the car. So those are the pros of buying a used car. But that doesn't necessarily mean that buying a used car is always the better option, especially for different groups of people. So we'll start with a lot of times when we talk about the depreciation problem, we ignore the other side of the cost of the actual car itself, which is keeping it a car and not a rusting hunk of metal. And over time, uh, cars, their things wear out. So your maintenance costs are going to go up. Okay. Yeah. Now, we're not talking about over two years, the maintenance costs are going to overtake the cost of that depreciation, right? But it, it's important to realize that depreciation is going to, that benefit of avoiding the depreciation is going to get offset at some point where it's actually going to be more expensive to own a used car because of the maintenance than it will to buy a new car. And I think generally, well, there are going to be different assumptions by coaches at when that starts to happen, but it's also not something that you can guess. I mean, there are things that you can get a pretty good estimate around, but every car is different. You drive your car differently than other people. And when I say you, I mean your clients as well. And so, yeah, it's going to be slightly different for everyone. There are some general estimates we can get within a range, but yeah, we know that cars will not last forever. So that's an offsetting factor. Obviously, that is not going to put a nail in the coffin of buying used cars, especially if you're talking about one or two or three-year-old cars. So then, but then we also want to look at the other costs of cars, insurance being one of the other big ones. New cars are more expensive to insure until you get to a certain point where the used car just loses some of its safety features. And depending on the type of insurance that you have, a new car could actually have lower insurance than a used car. Most of the new car cost of insurance is the cost of protecting your car. So the comprehensive and the collision. If, on the other hand, you don't have comprehensive or collision, the older the car is, the less it's going to be effective. So that's another factor. These are not going to overtake the cost of depreciation, but it's important to calculate these in because oftentimes we think of depreciation as this huge number and we don't really calculate in. Yeah, but it's not quite that big because of these other costs. And Jeremy has a good point too. Don't forget property taxes in most states. Yeah. And depending on the state, that will depend on how big of a deal that is. In all honesty, certain states the value of the car is actually not as important because there's the value of the car tax and then just the you have a car tax. And sometimes that you have a car tax is much bigger depending on the state than the value of the car tax. So, We're both in California. So I think both of those are pretty high. Everything is high. <laughs> just, you're in California. Assume it's just ridiculously high. Yeah. I had to pay $15 tax just to put on this shirt because it's, you know, it's pink. So. Thanks a lot, California. Yeah, yeah. Now that we alienated all the people in California. It's uh, all right. You know, yeah. I think they understand the struggle. It's just no, like... yeah, that we didn't alienate anyone. All right, yeah. back to the conversation. <laughs> but yeah, so property taxes and all of those other factors. Another big one is gas mileage. There is no way around this. 
the older the car is, the worse the gas mileage is. And especially as you move to newer and more modern cars, gas mileage has made huge strides. This is one of those hidden costs that a lot of people don't think about. Because, well, what does it matter if I fill up my tank and it costs $40 or $50 a week? But that can actually add up pretty significantly over time. And especially if you do a lot of driving, a small difference in gas mileage can actually make a pretty big difference in an overall budget. Again, all offsetting factors that offset the value of depreciation, but important to consider. And then you have the bigger question. And that is, why do we have money? Uh, we just went there, huh? Yeah. Why do we care about money? I'm not talking about society. That can be its own discussion. <laughs> But why do we have money as individuals? Why do we care about money? It allows us to get what we want. And if we're talking a little bit higher up on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, hopefully like food, shelter, the very basics, roof over mm -hmm. the head is like the bare minimum. But then once you have those bare minimums covered to bring us joy, excitement, happiness, contentment, safety, yeah. security. Provide for families, enjoyment, all that type of stuff. And as we look at why do we have money and people use it to donate to causes or do other things, also even up to self-actualization. Having money doesn't make us a better person, but we definitely use it in order to realize our better selves. And so it's very important that we understand it from that perspective, especially for an example of a car. My guess is that most people would not think that spending an extra $40 on their child's college is a horrible decision that a person would make or an extra $1,000 or an extra $2,000. And my guess is even if someone thought that, they probably wouldn't feel comfortable telling a parent that. <laughs> probably not. And yet we have this great comfort in saying, well, spending an extra $3,000 to buy a new car instead of a used car is stupid. And it's important to realize that money doesn't really, money exists so that we can use it, not so that we can hoard it. And that's one of the things that, that I think gets lost oftentimes in a lot of these discussions, the, the new versus used car discussion being a good example of this, which is if someone commutes two hours a day, they also take their kids all over the place on the weekends because they have soccer games and band practice and all of the other things. The idea that, well, we spend so much time in the car, having a new car with the luxuries of a new car, that that is wasteful. Depending on the person's priorities, it may not be. Safety features of the car with kids? Well, I was going to get to that at the very okay. end. Uh, but sure, you opened up that door. So we'll, we'll do the mic drop in the middle, which is I don't ever buy anything but new cars. And I will never buy a used car ever. And the reason for that is that the safety features on cars advance so rapidly <laughs> that even a two or three year difference is actually a huge, huge difference. 
And people say, well, you're spending an extra $20,000 that you didn't have to spend for a car. Yes, that is $20,000 well spent in my mind if it protects my kids better. And this is a good time to tie it back to whose value judgments are more important in this relationship of coaching client. Yeah. And when I say this to my students, when I, when I talk about this in, in, personal, in the personal finance class, you know, I'm quick to point out, so I will be quick to point out to other people as well, everyone listen to this. I'm not saying that you're a bad parent if you are, if you are buying a used car. I'm saying based on my values, my priorities, my wife's and I's financial situation, right? All of these different factors. I am very comfortable spending $20,000. And I am perfectly fine with, even if you showed me statistics, which these aren't the statistics, but even if you showed me the statistics that it only increases our safety by 2%, to me, that 2% is worth $20,000. And I think this, this is the important thing that we have to realize is when we get so myopic with sacred cows, with dogmatic viewpoints, such as you should never buy a new car. And everyone, when they say that, they can rattle off like this. Here are all the reasons why, right? Depreciation being the huge one. And a lot of everything else is variation of depreciation because it's a lot of money, yeah. right? But that is one tiny aspect of the decision. And while we're using the new versus used car as an example of this, I think it's important that we expand it beyond that and realize that whatever the monetary factors are, that is one tiny aspect of the decision. We want to be very careful not to be in a position where we are using the idea of saving money, using the idea of eliminating debt, using the idea of whatever is the quote-unquote financially responsible thing to do to override the values of the person. Yeah, because in that case, that's more of a way of allowing, as at least as I hear it, a way of us as coaches justifying ourselves, like projecting our values or putting our mm -hmm. values on someone else and kind of yeah. using that as an excuse um, more than anything else. Yeah. And that doesn't mean forget or ignore the current financial situation of that person, what their other financial goals are, right? And doesn't mean that you don't have conversations about priorities and yeah. what else is there. But I think very specifically, right, not bringing in your judgment around this particular item in order to try and influence your client around this specific situation. Yeah. And since you took our, our crescendo and moved it up to the middle, these Here's next ones the will like, well, that's not as big of a deal as the safety of kids, but uh, that's okay. The, <laughs> But Sorry. there are other factors as well. So, for example, when Bluetooth came out, buying a new car versus a used car, especially for a person who was really busy, was the difference between being able to legally and not legally run errands through phone calls while they were on their commute. Uh, when backup cameras came out, Buying a used car versus a new car is the difference between how hard it was and how difficult it was to hook up your boat 
to the hitch of the car or to the hitch of the, of the truck or trailer or whatever it is you have, right? Yep. Or how likely you are to scratch the car and dent it because you backed into that rock that's sitting on the side of your driveway that's easy to, to run into. <laughs> right. I will say with the backup camera, considering how challenging it has been for my mom and dad to get that to work at times, it could be worth saving money uh, to save your relationship. Oh, admit. with the backup camera? Yeah. This is like, not a little left, a little to the right. Just like, yeah, that would have solved a couple uh, tense moments on yeah. the trailer connection yeah. front. And we also have to think about risk reduction. For example, one of the big differences between, and we're only talking, the cars are like, I think a year and a half apart. My wife's car was the higher end model, but meaning it was more toward the higher tier. Mine was more toward the lower tier of these versions of cars. So hers was a year and a half older, but the more advanced model, the more expensive model of the car our um our emergency braking systems hers will do emergency braking for large things like other vehicles walls buildings that type of stuff mine will do emergency braking for pedestrians and avoiding hitting one pedestrian will pay for 10 lifetimes of the cost of depreciation when it comes to a new car. And I'm not to say that everyone's going to hit one pedestrian in their life, but you know, this is why we have insurance. This is the concept of insurance, which is, yeah, it's not likely that this is going to happen, but if it does happen, it could be catastrophic. It's, it's right. thinking of these things. Cause Jeremy made a good point. He was like, for the Bluetooth idea, he was like, uh, just get a Bluetooth adapter. And I think it's some of these where it's figuring out, okay, it may just be one thing. But oftentimes it's not just a single thing, right? Right. Or it's the combination of things or it's how much, you know, like with starting a financial coaching business, some people are mm -hmm. very, very worried about liability and risk and they approach it with that in mind of risk mitigation and aversion, whereas others are much more comfortable with that yeah. certain level of risk. So that is, a, is an example in the coaching world that we can bring to this discussion yeah. as well, where your particular value for a thing, right? Like safety, otherwise mm -hmm. is going to be very, very different. Yeah. And, and again, it's not to say that buying a used car is dumb. It's that we're counteracting the idea that buying a new car is dumb. Because <laughs> if that was dumb, I wouldn't be on here because I got my 2004 Saturn from a friend for a thousand dollars. Right. And, uh, right. and Amelia wants to burn it every single day. So <laughs> that's a fight I decided to bring on myself. In our relationship. So uh, yeah, I'll let you know who wins that battle in the end. Yeah. Actually, let's, let's make this personal, shall we? <laughs> so, and I'm going to do this a little bit, an extreme example, tongue in cheek, but I, I think it is important. And then I'll bring it back to an actual real life, real example, which is if you had to choose between Amelia in your relationship or buying a new car, which would you choose? Yeah. <laughs> I'm picking Amelia uh, right. every single time. Yeah. Right. And there are relationships and implications with these things. And this is something that you have to realize that's actually important is that the recommendations that you make as a financial coach, sometimes, especially when you're dealing with couples, the reason why the couple is coming to you with something is because they're arguing about it. 
And this could actually, if you are dogmatic about it, it could actually damage the relationship right now. Obviously, I don't think that Amelia is going to to leave you because of your $1,000 Saturn. Right? They've threatened it a couple of times. I don't think they'll really follow through. Right. But in heated moments, they've, they've threatened it once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a blog article, and it I can't remember the title of it, but it's something along the lines of Confessions of a Recovering Fire, Financial Independence Retire Now. Enthusiast. I don't think that's the exact title, but it's, the title is something along those lines. And basically, what the person talked about is they were totally into fire. They were on their way to doing it, and it destroyed their relationship. And the person that they were engaged to, they are no longer together. And the reason why was because she wanted to take vacations and enjoy life. And actually do things. And he was solely focused on fire, mm -hmm. not spending anything to get to that goal. And he lost uh, that relationship. And he was writing it from a very painful point of, you know, basically he screwed up his life. And, and I think that that concept is important because while probably new car versus used car is not going to end a marriage or a relationship, it can put stress on it. It can put, it can cause people to feel at odds with each other. Especially if one feels like they're sacrificing the safety of their kids or not feeling heard just for yeah. money. And then if that's compounded by in the financial coaching relationship, the, the, the financial coach's view comes across as, and this may not be your view, but if it comes across this way, or if it is your view, and it comes across this way as, well, buying a new car is stupid, mm -hmm. right? There would be no reason why anyone would do it. You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't even bring it up. That can further compound those feelings of not being heard. Mm -hmm. uh, that, can, that can place you as a wedge in the relationship. And that is neither good for your business, nor for the clients, nor for the client's relationship. And I think these types of ideas are important because when we start to focus too much on the money, when we start to look at things from that view of having blinders on where only the money matters, we can, we can do real damage in that way, as is the case with that fire person. Yeah. And again, you know, what is the purpose of money? And I think... Uh... An interesting or a way I like to think about things is like if you're doing it for some future version of yourself, but you aren't actually practicing now. So like if you're doing fire, right? And you're like, well, I'm going to sacrifice everything today in order to have this like great life or this. Yeah. And I'm not saying that all fire people do this, but there can be that problematic approach. Well, of, okay, in the future, I'll do all these things that I want and then I'll suffer now. I personally feel like when you're not integrating some of what that future is or what you think it will be into the today, that can be really problematic and more of like be limiting beliefs or beliefs to look at. And yeah. this is kind of a tangential conversation that may not be that helpful to dive into, but. So, yeah, I hate anything. Fire is just one example of this. <laughs> I hate anything that is the concept of sacrifice all today for the future. 
it's a really problematic thing. So, you know, you look at fire, for example, a lot of the people who are pursuing fire are because I hate my job. I hate what I do. I don't want to do it anymore. So I'm going to make my life even more miserable today so I can get out of it in 10 years. And this isn't everyone in the fire movement. We'll just not everyone, that. but right. Yeah. It's certainly there. But there is, that is a significant portion of the fire movement, to which I say there is a much faster solution. Change your job. Yeah. You're not, you, you're right. We want to be very careful of there's only two routes, right? I either, I'm either stuck in this career for the next 40 years or I have financial independence within 10 years. There's also the route of what would you do if you were financially independent, right? Because hopefully you won't sit around and do nothing, mm-hmm. mainly because your chance of suicide goes up. And I'm not, that's not a joke, like literally suicide rates amongst retirees um, that go up quite significantly, instances of clinical depression, et cetera, et cetera, right? So this is actually a, an actual thing. So what would you spend your time doing? Figure that out. And then maybe focus on figuring out how to get someone to pay you for doing that. (laughs) Yeah. And the same thing with kind of a diversion from where we were, but the same thing with a car, right? You know, if the client says, well, I really want to have this new car. And even if they don't have good reasons, even if their reasons are just, I just like the way I feel when I have a new car. That's a, that's really a hard thing for a financial coach to wrap their minds around. But to some people that is really important. Yep. That's, that's more of the Amelia camp. So it's a very fun. Yeah. I I get it. So, but that doesn't make it any less valid for that person as a psychological need as, as something that's important for them. Right. Just because we can't wrap our heads around it doesn't mean that that's, that it's less valid for that person. And so even if they give a really, really bad example, a bad reason in your mind, take it at face value and say, okay, let's assume that we have to have that new car. Mm-hmm. Then what? Going back to the example of the fire, well, what if you couldn't retire? What would you do then? And look at what are the other options? What else can we do in order to make that a reality? And a lot of people say, well, yeah, we require a bunch of other sacrifices. Wonderful. Lay that out and let the client make the decision. <laughs> yeah. Can't read all of Jeremy's post. He wrote a good long little comment here, but it's it's great. There's that balance of um, keeping it focused on the goals and values. Um, otherwise, I think he said, like, you know, their distractions and dreams can die the death of a thousand qualifications. At the same mm-hmm. times, same time, don't overdo it with goals and zeal. He's like, cough, Ramsey, cough. Uh, like a fire person. Um, and also, congratulations, Jeremy, on the uh, selling the 2008 Honda. I love Honda Civics, by the way. Amelia wouldn't let me get one, but I love Honda Civics. They're just so reliable and comfortable. And I would buy them till the cows come home. But apparently he just parked his and it is going into this. Well, actually, I don't know if he's selling it or just maybe parked it getting out of the car. Anyway, Jeremy, I love you. And civics, they'll always have my heart. Yeah. That's all I got to say. And along the lines of the of goals, you know, also realize that cars can really align with people's values as well. A good example of this is uh, I, I, we, my wife and I have made the decision that we are only going to buy electric cars from here on out. Right now we have one electric, one gas. 
electric has gotten to the point where we don't need to have one electric and one gas now that took a while to get there, but it's actually gotten there now. So we're only going to buy electric cars. And the, again, technology changes so much that it actually does make a pretty big difference of even a few years apart. And so people's values, what's important to them, how they want to interact with the world and the way they want to leave the world can also play into these decisions as well. This was fun. Yeah. And anything before we jump off, Josh, that we missed? I'm sure there's tons of stuff that we have. <laughs> well, Jeremy brought up something about like a, if you were hitting someone, accidentally hit someone like a pedestrian, would a personal uh, umbrella policy, like, couldn't that help? There's a little bit more into the technical side. And it made me think, oh, maybe a conversation around liability. Uh, yeah, I don't know probably a good idea. We could do that as a future live. Yeah. And thank you, Josh, as always. Yeah. This is fun. And we will see everyone for our next episode next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, it also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall there if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.